This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hey backpackers, this is Bird Shooter, and tonight on the show we flash back to 1995 to speak with some Appalachian Trail thru-hikers over a period of 24 hours at Trail Days, which is held every year on the AT in Damascus, Virginia. In this series we'll speak with 11 thru-hikers only six months after they finished their hike. Uh, This is a bonus series that will be sprinkled in with our regular podcasts over the course of the next two years to honor the 25th anniversary of our 1994 hike. And for a summary of some of those conversations, you can click to episode 41, which consolidates some of these discussions down to a single podcast. But tonight in the series, I speak with Troubadour on the night of May 13, 1995. Uh, You might remember him from episode 18 when we spoke about his completion of the Triple Crown. Troubadour went on to hike the Pacific Crest and Continental Divide trails after his AT hike. Uh, So I encourage you to go back and listen to that show to hear what he's been up to since. And keep in mind that these interviews were done 25 years ago in the field with 95 technology and with a small handheld mic and cassette tape recorder. So the uh, audio quality is not perfect, but it is surprisingly good for the time, uh, even though you might hear some trail drums in the background. Uh, you'll also hear a lot of the same questions in these interviews. Uh, the original intent was really to mix these statements into a video that I made of my through hike. But I'm really happy to have these interviews uh, with my thru-hiker buddies from 1994 and to have a collection of 18 memories from our hike. 20-plus years before Pox and Puss made thru-hiking interviews an annual event in Damascus. Here it is, episode 61 at Trail Days with Troubadour. This is Troubadour, and we're at Trail Days, and it is... 736 uh, on 513. Question number one. No. <laughs> Good answer. 1,000 points. Uh, did you hike the approach trail to Springer Mountain? Yes. Good answer. <laughs> yeah. Shall I, shall I expand on that? <clears throat> yeah. Yes, I. While I was hiking the, uh, the approach trail to Springer Mountain, I came to the realization that the, uh, I guess the romantic ideas that I had about about a 2,000 mile journey on the Appalachian Trail kind of all came to a, a grinding a grinding halt and that's where the, the dream kind of crumbled and the reality sort of set in and I, I came to find that it was going to be pretty tough. The trail. The trail is going to be extremely tough. Those first hundred yards, and they were just grueling. And that, I, I look back on that first day, and that was kind of a, you know, that's a big qualifier right there to get through that first day. And I remember as I got to the top of Springer, I was about, I was ready to drop right there. I was ready to crumble. But uh, 
But oddly enough, I actually kept going. I didn't stay at Springer Mountain Shelter, and I kept going on to uh, Stover Creek. And uh, but that first day on the access trail was pretty. I think one of the toughest. Excellent. One problem. I've got to move you. Okay. The second question is. Uh, when you left Springer Mountain, what was going through your mind? And you might have kind of addressed that, but it yeah. wouldn't hurt to sort of go through that again. I mean, you, okay. you build up to this, like, yeah. dream about doing it all this time, finally get to Springer Mountain. What are you thinking? Okay, when I left, when I left Springer Mountain, huh, I don't really, can't really remember what I was thinking. I guess, I guess most of the, uh, the one thing that I noticed is all the, I guess for five years I'd planned on try, trying to hike the whole trail, and that gives you a lot of time to to dream about it and think of how it would be and that kind of stuff like that. And I think when I got to the top of Springer and I saw the little plaque saying Southern Terminus and that I was actually there starting to realize this dream that I had for five years. and. Uh, it was nowhere near what I had imagined it to be, and it was it wasn't nearly as glamorous as I thought it was going to be it was it was hard <laughs> and uh I kind of imagined this grand send off on this epic uh journey and it it wasn't anything like that at all. I was up there and I was by myself um there were I think three other through hikers there and uh I guess most of all what I was thinking is that I felt really unsure. This is sort of addressing the same issue, but kind of more in general. When you, when you started hiking Georgia, you know you're going through Georgia. It's the first state you really you've really been through. You've been on the trail a few days now. Now you finished the whole trail. You've seen 14 different states. You think back to Georgia. What do you remember about Georgia? Let's see. What I remember about Georgia, I um, when I hiked, I carried my Walkman with me, and right before I got on the trail. I uh, bought the Gin Blossoms album, <laughs> and so I was listening to I listened to that album. So every time I hear a song for that, I kind of get this crystal clear version of uh, or vision of Georgia in my mind. And um, I think the first thing I really thought about Georgia is I'd done a lot of hiking on the AT in Virginia through the you know the summer season and stuff like that. And I always remember it being really pretty. And I almost kind of had a sense of Georgia not being as pretty as I as of the as the beauties that I'd seen in Virginia because it, you know it was early spring and not all the the trees were out and so it was kind of I guess the forest was a little sparse you know it hadn't grown in fully um, I think the one thing that sticks out clearly is Bly Gap which is the actual end of Georgia and that's kind of like a uh, I guess that's almost like a milestone there and uh, I mean that's kind of Odd. <clears throat> what I remember out in Georgia is like leaving it, but I guess that's kind of like one of your first milestones to kind of establish yourself mm -hmm. as a, a thru-hiker. And, and actually, I think like on my second day, I met a couple who were out on a day hike, and they asked me if I was hiking the whole thing, and I said, yeah, I'm a thru-hiker, but I totally didn't even feel like it seemed was on the second day. Okay. Uh, as far as sleeping, you know, you've got three options. Obviously, you can sleep in a shelter, a tent, or a tarp. What did you prefer and why? Uh, well, where I preferred to stay on the trail, I guess, you know, I could choose between staying in the shelters or tending out. And um, 
I guess I, I did a combination of both, mostly. Actually, in the beginning, I stayed at Stover Creek Shelter in the beginning, and then I tended out the next couple of nights just because I was I didn't make it to the shelters. <laughs> I wasn't strong enough to make the distance, and so the, the tent came into play there, and I tended out. But I really enjoyed having the tent, and it came in useful for that for those reasons to uh, if I didn't make it to the shelter, and just to have that flexibility and security of knowing that wherever I was, I could always set up my tent. But the, the shelters, yeah, I enjoyed those as well because, I mean, that's where the social scene, where you meet most people mm -hmm. on the trail. So I, I guess I, did, I wasn't exclusive to one. I kind of did, did both. Cool. Um, this is kind of a tough one. Okay. Describe a typical thru-hiker. Describe, describe a typical thru-hiker. Yeah. Let's see. Typical through hiker. That's kind of hard because I don't think of any any through hiker as being typical. In fact, I mean I think of them to be really uh, unique type of people. So I guess a typical through hiker would be a very a very unique individual who uh, who can. I think before you even start out on on the hike, just being a person who have the idea to do it and to and to even plan to do it and try to to fit this six months into into the society today I think that's pretty special so as far as appearance and all that kind of kind of goes um, typical through hiker for a guy beard <laughs> that kind of stuff you want like sorry <laughs> I'll just leave it with that first part I said. That's, that's pretty good. Okay. That, that was a good answer, actually. Okay. Um, what what wildlife did you enjoy the most, and what did you enjoy the least of the wildlife that you saw when you were hiking? Let's see. The wildlife I enjoyed the most on the trail, I guess, would have to be. Mm, it's kind of hard to limit it to one one thing. I really like the deer's deer that I saw. That was. Uh, that was really wonderful because they're such graceful creatures to to see in their own element is really a wonderful experience and in fact I found that that could turn my whole day around if I was you know if it had been raining all day and I'd been suffering through slodging through the mud hating the entire day up until like right before dusk and then to see you know a group of fawn leaping through the woods I mean that would totally turn my perspective the whole day completely around and you know I'd get to camp that night and thinking it was awesome. It was an awesome day, even though I struggled for most of it. What about the least, the wildlife you like the least? Uh, the least? I, I mean, immediately I would think the mice <laughs> would be one of the least favorite, but actually I kind of ended up kind of liking them because they were kind of almost entertaining, and I never really <laughs> had a bad experience with them, but uh, some of those shelters where they were they were crawling down my arms when I was trying to hang my food. <laughs> that was kind of, kind of rough. But they're actually kind of entertaining. It's almost like a race course. But uh, I don't think there was. I, I don't want to try to whip out of the question, but I don't think there was an animal that I didn't like. I like the mice. That's good. <laughs> okay, uh, we're gonna move a little further north. What do you remember about Tennessee and North Carolina? Well, what I remember about Tennessee is pretty vivid. I remember the, uh, I guess everyone knows about the section that, I don't, I, how do they refer to that section? 
the uh, the yeah. danger zone or something like that. I know what you mean. But uh, I don't. I remember that distinctly, not because of being afraid about the vandalism and the threats towards hikers through that section, but just because it was a pretty pretty ugly section. <laughs> it, uh, it 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 was very winding and just went up down up down up down through there, and it wasn't particularly pretty at all. There were a couple of roadblocks. Um, North Carolina, I remember North Carolina. Well, you know, both of them, you had the Smoky Mountains, which were really awesome. And uh, so that, that that was really neat. I'd never been there before, so that was quite a, a neat experience to actually be there for the first time and to be through, through hiking through there. Um, and the rest of the North Carolina, I would say it was very difficult. There were a couple of sections through there, like the climb up to... Chihuahua and the, I guess it was the Stokoa mountain, mountain range was pretty, I remember that being pretty difficult and I, I remember a lot of times thinking that the trail seemed pretty pointless because it, uh, it took a lot of ridiculous ascents it seemed and kind of took a 45 degree turning and went straight down the same hill that you just ascended so I remember being kind of frustrated through there aside from the Smokies which were the exception. I love the Smokies, they were awesome. Uh, what was your favorite trail town? We're in a trail town right now. That's a tough one. Yeah. <clears throat> Let's see, my favorite trail town. Well, my favorite trail town was actually not really a trail town. I can't even remember the name of the place, but it was in Vermont, and it was... Um, I guess it was about a day south of Hanover, and I can't remember the name of the, the town. It was a small town, but it was just like a crossroads, and it was about a mile hitch, and I hitched down there with Spooner, and all it was was a, was a general store and, and a post office, but what was really cool is that it was, a, it was a general store with the old hardwood floors and like with the old type of fruit stand and stuff inside, and it was just so, it was just really, really neat. and. Um, I sat there and I ate lunch. I had lunch there with Spooner, and uh, and the whole time I was sitting there, I was thinking, you know, this would be really cool to come back to a place like this and just own a general store like that. So I think, I think that was my favorite. Cool. Okay. And uh, right now we're at Trail Days. Uh, did you go to Trail Days? I guess you didn't the first time, but describe Trail Days. What you like, what you dislike about it. Uh, just kind of describe Trail Days. Well, Trail uh, Trail Days. You know, what I like about Trail Days now, the one that's happening today, I didn't go to it on my thru-hike, but it's a kind of uh, um, ensures in me that uh, as much as the Appalachian Trail is a wilderness experience, it's, uh, it's also a uh, human experience because of, because of the people that you meet along the way. And to come back here and to be with the friends that I hike the trail with is just—it's just an affirmation of that, and it's really wonderful to uh, to be able to see those people that I went through that big challenge with. I have to agree with you totally. Um, here's one for you: Sloan's favorite activity. Did you hitchhike? Why? And uh, were you uncomfortable with it? Uh, was it something that didn't, didn't instill fear in you at all, or your opinion in general? Yeah, um, yeah I hitchhiked while I, on my through hike. 
I I can't remember my first hitchhike, but I was really I was kind of apprehensive in the beginning. I think it wasn't even. In, I was definitely into North Carolina before I I did my first hitchhike, and it was with a group of people. I guess I got I got into Fontana Dam, and I actually tried. I mustered up enough courage because I'd never hitchhiked before in my life, and and I like kind of stuck my thumb out, but it wasn't very authoritative looking. It was kind of wimpy because I was kind of scared, but. Uh, but uh, as I went along, I got better and better at it. It became a, a great means to to get into town if the trail, you know, if the trail didn't come to come too close to a town. Um, it's a it's a wonderful, you know, it's a great kindness bestowed to the hikers, uh, the people who are willing to drive along and see this grubby, disgusting hiker along the way and just pick him up and off him around and take him to town. Um, I I had no problem doing it. Can't say that I had any problem either. Uh, let's see here. What's next on the list? Uh, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Maryland. When you think about the Mid-Atlantic states, what do you remember? What I remember about the Mid-Atlantic states the most is that they went by pretty quickly. They um, they kind of represent the easiest part of the trail. The uh, the altitudes, you know, the mountain ranges don't don't grow to be that tall. I think maybe 2,000 feet, 2,500 feet, or something like that. West Virginia, Harpers Ferry, obviously, that's the big psychological uh, marker there. Maryland was, Maryland was like walking through people's yards, <laughs> so it was kind of congested and uh, not very remote. So, uh, and then once you get into Pennsylvania, you kind of, you get a little more back towards the wilderness, but I'm sure everyone will remember the rocks of Pennsylvania. Um, and snakes, I ran into more rattlesnakes in Pennsylvania than anywhere else on the trail. But I kind of liked them, so it didn't bother me. I think they're really cool. And so, yeah, Pennsylvania, those those states went by in a blur. They were pretty quick, despite the, the rocks in Pennsylvania. Okay. Um, describe, describe a typical trail day for you. Typical trail day for me. Well, let's see. I would begin the day, the I guess the night before, where I'd be telling everyone in the shelter, I'm getting up at 5.30. <laughs> Hit the trail at 6.30, I'm going to do 20 miles, and I guess the next morning, 9 o'clock would roll around, and I'd finally be getting together. I guess I'd, my schedule, I guess I got it worked out to where I'd, uh, I'd get up, or I'd wake up at dawn and doze for, for a while, and if I was being exceptionally uh, motivated that day, I'd, I'd be out by 7.30, but that didn't happen too often. I'd say more, more or less I'd be off by 8.30 or 9.00. And uh, I guess my uh, routine was just to sit up and make breakfast, which for me was I just, I just ate regular cereal, like Fruit Loops and stuff. And, and people would always badger me about that. But so I just get up and eat, and then do the daily uh, or the the morning uh, privy stop and load up and and go. And uh, I just I kind of went all day and I guess hike from when I got up till shortly before dusk. I uh, stopped for lunch and that was my big stop and I only go for an hour about. So I guess that's the basic. Okay. Um, hmm. Why do you think only one in ten hikers supposedly finish the trail to start the trail? I guess they say one in ten. I don't know. 
Seems like all the people I knew that started, most of them finished. But then again, I guess it's because you were with them the whole time. You, yeah. don't, you don't see the people that drop out. Yeah. But why do you think just one in ten start and finish? And do, well, you think, do you think that number's accurate? I think, well, I think only one out of ten, ten make it. Or I say, well, I guess there's about a 90% failure rate I hear. Um, I mean, number one, it's tough. It's very tough. And you're uncomfortable for the majority of the time and I think that pretty much separates people right there and how you know how well you can deal with being uncomfortable um, the I guess I think a lot of I think the trail population has kind of increased lately and I think that uh, a lot of people are are buying into the the romance of it and obviously I was as as a, that was my whole idea about doing the whole thing, and uh, that wears off almost immediately once you get out there, and it's pretty much a, a testament to your, you know, your inner strength, and if you've got it or not, and if you can, if you can put up with it day after day, and there's a lot to, there's a lot you have to look past to get to really appreciate what the trail has to offer. You have to get past the. You know, the bugs being wet most of the time, smelly, eating, you know, food, you know, that's really not that appetizing. And so if you can get past that, the trail has tremendous things to offer. And I think that's the people who can tap into that sort of energy are the ones, the ones that make it. Um, as far as do I think that, you know, 90% failure rate is, is true or not, um, like I said, I think that the, the trail population has increased, you know, as the trail has become more popular, and I think with that you you get more people who are capable of doing it, and so, but you also get, you know, more people who can't do it. So I would say it's it's somewhere close, somewhere in there, and, it, you know, it all depends on how you factor in who made it, you know, is that like a purist who made it or a blue blazer and all like that, but, you know, I don't think that's the the whole of the of the experience is whether or not you make it to the end or not. So, that's an excellent answer. Okay, uh, let's see here. Hmm. What do you remember about New Jersey and New York? When you think of those two states, what goes through your mind? <clears throat> well, New Jersey and New York, to me, when I think about back to them, they were kind of like night and day. The whole time that I was in New Jersey, it was just festering hot. It was muggy and hot for the entire duration. And the day that I got to the New York, New Jersey border was the first clearing. It was like a crisp, clear day, and I actually stood up on the rocks near the border, and I could actually see into the city. I could see the, the Twin Towers poking up there. And uh, in particular about New Jersey, I remember the Sod Farm and the uh, Verney Swamp, which was actually kind of fun because it was flooded when I went through. And uh had to jump from bog bridge the bog bridge and it kind of submerged as you stepped on it so that was actually kind of fun and new york harriman state park sticks out in my mind pretty clearly it was actually when you're first starting to get back into some somewhat rougher terrain because the mid-atlantic states are pretty pretty calm but that's where you start start remembering how it was back in the back in the southern states cool okay here's a tough one okay what was your best trail experience what was your worst Okay. <clears throat> Jeez, Louise. 
well, I'm going to take the WIMPs approach to this <laughs> and say that there are many. I had a lot of them, and it's pretty hard to distinguish between what was the absolute best. But I remember what comes to mind to me as uh, I remember in particular coming out of Hanover, um, New Hampshire. And as you meet other people, town people and stuff like that, particularly when you run into people who aren't totally familiar with the trail, or, I mean, they know of it, but they don't know anything about hiking it or anything like that. And um, a lot of people won't give you credit for, like, how far you've gone or anything like that. And I remember, and particularly as approaching the White Mountains, people would say, well, you know, you've come this far, but you haven't seen the Whites. You don't know what's going to happen to you there. And, and, and no one, I wasn't getting... Me and other hikers that I know were kind of getting kind of down because no one was really seeing, you know, well, look, we've come, what, 1,500 miles, and, you know, you got to give us some credit that we have some strength in us. And uh, I remember in particular leaving Dartmouth or Hanover, New Hampshire, and heading out, and we met this, or I was hiking with Squeezebox, and we met this couple, and we're hiking, and we're talking to them for a bit, telling them we're through hiking, and, uh, and, they're, like, and they're like, you know, the White Mountains are coming up, and we're like, yeah. We're looking forward to it, and then and the guy said, "Well, I said by now you're just you know you're walking machines, so that's going to be no problem." And that that was kind of to me. I thought it was kind of unique to to have that perspective from like a you know a day hiker or a town person who wasn't really didn't really know the type of experience or that kind of thing. So that one instant that instance I was a great experience. Um, what was my worst? I know. Well, it's easy to tell easy to tell what was the worst as opposed to what was the best. I had one day in, uh, I don't know, I can't remember what state it was in, Massachusetts. Is that, that was where Shays Rebellion Massachusetts. <laughs> you know what, you're the fourth person I've interviewed. Is it? Third person out of four that has said the same thing. Really? Well, anyway, <laughs> I hiked, this was the worst. I hiked over, I can't, yeah, that was in Massachusetts. Was that Ray, Race Mountain? And a couple mountain chains there, and it was just a, it was a terrible day. It was cold, and it was rainy, and it was very rocky and steep, and the ro rocks were terribly slippery. And I think I ended up falling like eight times on the rocks, and my knees and my elbows were busted open. And uh, I remember coming down this one particularly steep area, and there was a, I guess it was like a summer camp group that was out with like ten kids and two leaders and whatnot. And I'm coming down the rocks, being the veteran through hiker, you know, all these miles of me, and. Uh, and they're getting out of the way for me to go by, and I say to them, you know, look out for these rocks. They're really slippery, you know. And as I get by, I slip on the rocks again and bust my butt right in front of all of them. But uh, so as the day went on, as we got to the end of that chain, it, the the trail went down into this lowlands and into this swamps. And uh, as dusk came around, there were just swarms and swarms of mosquitoes. I was being chased by mosquitoes, and the repellent didn't work, so I ran, and I ended up running into the night. <laughs> until uh, I, I didn't have my shirt on because of the rain and uh, and so the mosquitoes pretty much had I didn't even want to stop to take my pack off to expose my back because of the rain I didn't want to stop because I'd get cold and so I was running and running into the dark and then finally I had to uh, stop and get my flashlight on and get my map out to figure out where I was and uh, and so and I used two hiking sticks and I had just a I had a single handheld uh, flashlight, so I had to hold it in my mouth the whole time. So it's raining, and I'm being chased by hordes of mosquitoes, and I'm running through this lowlands, and then I get into a swamp, and there's bog bridges going through the swamp, 
And so I'm running along them, and then all of a sudden, the bog bridge has just ended. And I'm standing there at the end of this bog bridge, shining the flashlight around from my mouth, looking for another um, bridge or something, like maybe it floated off or something. And, uh, and then the mosquitoes caught up to me, and then I just said, I'm not going to wait here looking. And I just jumped right in, and it was like up to my thigh and swamp. And I just started kind of running through this muck and mire, and... Uh, no blazers or nothing, and I just kept running straight, having no idea where I was going until uh, I came to a road. And, and that was, like, amazing when I got to the road when I saw the cars. And uh, I hiked down the road to, uh, I guess it was the Pine the pine Tree Inn, where they let hikers sleep under their pavilion, and they also have dinner. And I got there at, like, 10 after 9, like 10 minutes after the kitchen closed. <laughs> And so, needless to say, the next day I headed into town and got a hotel room. <laughs> With good reason. Which brings me to the next question, which you might already have addressed. Connecticut, Mass. What do you think about when you think about those days? Well, when I think about Connecticut and Massachusetts, I, I, I never really expected the Northeast like that to be as muddy and boggy as it was. That was I never really spent much time up there, so that was kind of that was really kind of surprising to me. Um, Connecticut undoubtedly wins the Mosquito Awards for some reason. I don't know why, but they were just incredibly thick, thick through mosquitoes. And I would mosquitoes, and I would think that that north, you know, that it, they wouldn't be that bad, but they were ferocious. And um, I guess I remember Kent, Connecticut, where I had uh, I was at the bakery where I had my first uh, Ward Leonard experience. So that'll stand out in my mind. And uh, Massachusetts, Mount Greylock. <laughs> Not a great life without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. What do you think about pets on the trail? <clears throat> well, let's see. What do I think about pets on the trail? I'm... I guess I'm opposed and against them. I mean, opposed and for them. I think there's great... Um, you know, there's a great ability to take your animal on the trail and have a great experience with, with it and with the fellow hikers. And there's also the potential for it to be disastrous, you know, if, you know, a dog owner is not particularly uh, considerate to the other hikers as far as, you know, keeping their animal off of, uh, off of other people's stuff and out of the shelter and all the mud and that kind of stuff. I've hiked with other people who've had dogs and, you know, I've experienced well-behaved animals and terrible ones. Um, I'm of, I guess I'm of the opinion is... Uh, to, I, I don't think I'd want to see a total ban on them, but I would at least hope that the people who do bring them would have enough sense to uh, know whether or not they they fit into a uh, you know the category of the courteous uh, pet owner on the trail. And if you don't fit into that, then you know leave it at home. Okay. What uh, What was your favorite season on the trail, and why? I guess my favorite season on the trail would most definitely have to be autumn. Um, I guess it, for a number of reasons. One, obviously, is because of the foliage is is pretty spectacular. To it's it's incredible, just because it signifies it kind of signifies almost a uh, kind of maturity in a hiker because you've been out there since spring and you've seen the trees in early spring with no leaves and then you know, in the summer with the full leaves and then at the end, you know, as they're changing and getting ready to, you know, to drop off the tree. So that is pretty powerful right there. Um, 
and just the uh, it also signifies that uh, finally you're done with the incredible heat that you've put up with for the entire summer but um, I would have to say that yeah the beauty of the foliage the contrast that I mean all summer you're you're dealing with green green everything and then now it's just this big explosion of color just it's almost like like you're at the end of a marathon with a big crowd cheering there you know there's something beautiful every step along the way okay um let's see here what do you remember about vermont and new hampshire vermont was awesome i uh i really love vermont i guess uh let's see massachusetts i had uh i had some pretty bad weather through most of massachusetts so i mean vermont was was welcome it, actually vermont is like it's actually pretty tough. That's where you start returning to these huge 3,000-foot climbs, some big, hefty climbs. And uh, so you're working harder, but you're also seeing a lot more because you have these, you know, you're at the higher altitudes. And uh, I just remember it being, Vermont being particularly beautiful. It stands out in my mind. And uh, New Hampshire definitely has, you know, the same qualities, kind of different because of the, the White Mountains. I mean, I think the White Mountains have come to anyone's mind when they think about New Hampshire and uh, unfortunately I'm gonna have to go back there because when I <laughs> when I went through I think you were there when I went through it was kind of some sketchy weather going across across Fran Franconia Ridge according to my guide it's supposed to be the most beautiful and uh, I pretty much came close to dying <laughs> out there <laughs> so uh, what you mean? Um, let's see here what was your favorite state? What was your least favorite state, and why? Well, I guess I'll start with my least favorite state, and I think that would uh, definitely have to be Tennessee. The uh, the trail didn't really seem to make much sense down there. I mean, that's a, aside from the the big hiker threat and all that down there, but the the trail didn't seem to be laid out very well. It didn't make sense, and I guess I'm kind of a hiker that needs to have some sort of sense or logic to the trail, because when it just goes up, down, up, down for no apparent reason, you know, I guess I, I get to that where if I have to put out extra energy to climb those hills, I'd like to at least know why or have some sense to it. So I didn't really, didn't really have a good, good appreciation of Tennessee. Um, the best state, I, I guess I'll be biased and say Maine was the best because it's not only, well, I guess, you know, a portion of it's because it's the end, but, um, I guess What's also so awesome about that is the remoteness, and uh, and when I was there, it kind of uh, I was I'd fallen way behind the people I was hiking with, so I pretty much did the the whole state by myself. And when I think of it, I think of the the awesome foliage and the. Uh, <clears throat> I guess the incredible, I guess that's when I got the sense of the incredible power of the impending winter and uh, and just the solitude of being alone in that. So that makes it particularly special to me. On the same lines, you think about Maine, the wilderness, undermined wilderness, obviously is different than the whole state. What do you remember about the wilderness and what do you like about it? The well, the 100-mile wilderness in Maine, I remember it being... It was actually kind of it was actually kind of easy. It was gentle. It was almost like a, uh, a congratulations almost because you've, you've you've pretty much passed all the tests and this is like a hundred mile stretch that's pretty much flat for the most part and 
It's almost like almost like the uh, the final stretch, or almost like a welcoming mat. And it's it was a real treat. I, I spent the whole time virtually by myself, and uh, it was one of the most fulfilling times that I've ever experienced being by myself. And it was it was wonderful. What when you finally got to Katahdin, and what was going through your mind as you climbed Katahdin, and you topped it, and you were on top? Well, when I when I got to the top of Katahdin, I guess when I got to the top of Katahdin, I was in a state of denial. I think <laughs> it didn't it didn't really seem real to me. Katahdin stream didn't seem real to me that I was there, and that I had one more day, and my trip was over. My day on the top of Katahdin was pretty uh it wasn't very pleasant it was pretty terrible weather i finished october 22nd it was cold it was foggy and it was pouring down rain and i guess one of the harder parts of it was that uh most of the people that i had hiked with had already been there and uh were done because i fell behind in gorm i was ill and uh so I was kind of disappointed because I didn't really get finished with anyone that I'd really spent much time with on the trail. So that was kind of difficult to be up there and be pretty much by myself at the end. I got to the top. I climbed with Monk, Monk um, who I knew somewhat, not too well, <clears throat> but I was glad to have a partner. He and I were the only two who climbed that day. And uh, we got to the top, saw the sign. It was cold, pouring down rain. We. Uh, took out cameras, took a couple pictures. I said, let's get the hell out of here. And we we turned around and headed back down. And uh, that was Katahdin for me. I I mean, I look, sometimes when I think about that, I get kind of depressed because it wasn't this incredible ending that I'd always thought about. And, uh, but I guess what, I sense some comfort in that because I know it's not, you know, it's not Springer Mountain or it's not Mount Katahdin that make the, the trip so special. It's the uh, it's the distance in between. Mm, this is now we're into the last five questions. And they're the they're the thought provokers. <laughs> did, the hike, is, did, did the hike change your attitudes about others, and in what way, or even about yourself? Yeah. Well, did the, let's see. I guess after the hike, it, I mean, it has changed my perspective of others. Um, I guess I have a more I'm more open and more flexible to the the difference of opinion that difference different opinions that other people have. I know that prior to the trail and even while I was on the trail, you know, there's a lot of labeling going on as far as like blue blazing, yellow blazing, all that kind of stuff. And I think I think I thought of myself as being more open minded about that and it didn't really bother me too much until, you know, unless uh you know, it's whoever's hype they want it to be you know you can do whatever you want but I think sometimes I I was a little resentful of that particularly at some of the some of the hiker services that uh that are, are kind of limited and read the question again <laughs> what did the hike change your attitudes about others or about yourself okay. if so in what way okay I got a better answer I think okay and the trail changed my attitude definitely about myself well, I don't know if it changed my attitude about myself, but I have a different view of myself after the hike. I feel that my 
when I think back to my pre-trail uh, self, I kind of look on it as someone with a with a narrower vision of what is important in in life. And and prior to my trail experience, I was all ready to go out and or I'd already been busting my tail at a job, and and you know service was like a big, I guess a big thing to me. You know being I wanted to be known, you know, as a hard worker and, you know, um, always being responsible to what, you know, the job I was doing or what people wanted of me. And, um, and I guess after the trail, I've kind of come a, to a different perspective where I found that to be happy, you have to really, you have to serve your own desires, but not so much in a selfish sort of way, because when I find that you actually tap into what you truly want and what you truly need to do in your life. I mean, that's not totally selfish because when you realize that, you come into a position where you're capable of, of serving other people through your accomplishments. And so it's not totally selfish and it's kind of a, a twist on what I previously thought as far as... Uh, as far as... Um, working as far as having a job and being satisfied in the job and that sort of sort of thing this is kind of on the same lines what did you learn from the previous ride i guess the one thing i learned on my through hike that seems almost so fundamental that that you would think that it'd be common knowledge to most people but i guess it's one of the most difficult things to learn is that that life and experiences is happening right this minute and, and you need to plan for the future and all that kind of stuff but you I think what provides the most happiness is to really to have the capacity to be able to understand what is happening at this at this particular moment and where I where I stand and everything that's going on right now. Um, I guess one of the uh, one of the things that I've learned, uh, or a powerful thing to know, is or skill is just to be able to look at something and know exactly what it is and to be able to appreciate it. Okay. What What do you miss most about the trail? You have the advantage of having been off the trail for a few months. Yeah. So looking back, what do you miss most? Especially this weekend. This has got to get your mind going. Yeah. Well, actually, I think now that it's been, I guess I finished in October and now it's May, that it's been this, this long since I finished the trail, I guess my perspective of what I missed is kind of different. And I don't really miss it the same way as I did then. I mean, then I was in the, the big world of being separated from, you know, the trail, from my friends that I'd experienced for six months to be suddenly taken away from that. And the trail is this total, uh, total different experience than, than anything you can experience in life. It doesn't fit really in with society and all that kind of stuff, so it's really hard to, to, to look at that and, and, and try to put a society, societal sort of view on it. Um, what was the question? <laughs> the question was, uh, 
I kind of get lost there too. Um, what do you miss most about the trail? Oh yeah, okay. So, I mean, as I was saying, I guess right now, the way I feel about the trail is I feel sort of complete about it now that, that I'm here at Trail Days and seeing the people and it's become firm in my mind that it's something that I did and I accomplished it and that it was a huge challenge. And I think when I first finished the trail, I kind of had this sense like, man, I'm never going to be able to, there's no way to top that, you know, what the, what can I do that can be so powerful as that experience? And that was kind of tough to get by that, but now it's been so long, I think, you know, if you look at it in its simplest perspective, it was a challenge, and 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 now I've I've kind of learned to harness that the energy I had for that challenge and, and to go on to to new challenges, even though they're totally different. You know, like getting a job that I like. I mean, that's one of the hugest challenges that the whole population, you know, everybody faces, is to be satisfied in something they do, and and so I've kind of turned it around from being bothered by, you know, there's no way that I can top that or do anything better than that than the, than the take the power of that accomplishment and, and turn it towards accomplishing something else. Okay. Final question. All right. <laughs> I worked you out pretty Yeah, hard. man, my brain is hurting. Oh, shit, man, we've got an hour interview almost. That's not true. Would you do it again? Would I hike the Appalachian Trail again? I think, I think I will. It won't be, it won't be very soon. It'll be down the way, I think. I've got a lot of other things that I want to do and try. And the experience is kind of fresh with me now, seeing it was just last year. So I need to have some time to let that to let that sit around and to really to savor it and to uh, really take in what it what it's offered me. So so that needs to sit for a while. But definitely. I definitely want to do it again, and I want to. I want to do it at a point where I won't, where where I can approach it as a totally new, fresh thing. Whereas I think now, if I went next year, maybe I'd still be thinking back to my first hike. So, if I did it again, and I think I will, I'd want it to be its own unique experience, just like the first trip was. Daddy O, <laughs> that's good stuff. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jerris under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at n2backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.